The man in the linen suit alighted from the airport express at Oslo Central Station. He guessed that it must have been a warm, sunny day in his old hometown, for the air was still gentle and embracing. He was carrying an almost comical little canvas suitcase and exited the station on the southern side with quick, supple strides. From the outside, Oslo's heart, which some maintained the town did not have, beat with a restful pulse. Night rhythm. The few cars there were swirled around the circular traffic machine, were ejected one by one, eastward to Stockholm and Trondheim, northward to other parts of town or westward to Drammen and Christiansand. Both in size and shape, the traffic machine resembled a brontosaurus, a dying giant that was soon to disappear, to be replaced by homes and businesses in Oslo's splendid new quarter, with its splendid new construction, the Opera House. The man stopped and looked at the white icebergs situated between the traffic machine and the fjord. It had already won architectural prizes from all over the world, People came from far and wide to walk on the Italian marble roof that sloped right down into the sea. The light inside the building's large windows was as strong as the moonlight falling on it. Christ, what an improvement, the man thought. It was not the future promises of a new urban development he saw, but the past, for this had been Oslo's shooting gallery. It's dopehead territory, where they had injected themselves and ridden their highs behind the barracks that partially hid them, the city's lost children. A flimsy partition between them and their unknowing, well-meaning, social-democratic parents. What an improvement, he thought. They were on a trip to hell, in more beautiful surroundings. It was three years since he had last stood there. Everything was new. Everything was the same. They had ensconced themselves on a strip of grass between the station and the highway, much like the shoulder of a road, as doped up now as then, lying on their backs, eyes closed, as though the sun were too strong, huddled over, trying to find a vein that could still be used or standing bent with bowed, chunky knees and knapsacks, unsure whether they were coming or going. Same faces. Not the same living dead when he used to walk here. They had died long ago, once and for all. But the same faces. On the road up to Tolbugata, there were more of them. Since they had a connection with the reason for his return, he tried to glean an impression, tried to decide if there were more or fewer of them, noted that they were dealing in platter again. The little square of asphalt to the west of Jan Banatorget, which had been painted white, had been Oslo's Taiwan, a free trade area for drugs, established so that the authorities could keep a wary eye on what was happening and perhaps intercept young first-time buyers. But as business grew and Plata showed Oslo's true face as one of Europe's worst heroin spots, the place became a pure tourist attraction. The rising heroin trade and OD statistics had long been a source of shame for the capital, but nonetheless not such a visible stain as Plata. 
Newspapers and TV fed the rest of the country with images of stoned youths, zombies wandering the downtown in broad daylight. The politicians were blamed. When right-wingers were in power, the left was in an uproar. Not enough treatment centres. Prison sentences create users. The new class society creates gangs and drug trafficking in immigrant areas. When the left was in power, the right was in an uproar. Not enough police. Access for asylum seekers too easy. Six out of seven prisoners are foreigners. So, after being hounded from pillar to post, the Oslo City Council came to the inevitable decision to save itself.